ho, ho, and welcome to the most wonderful episode of the year. I'm Kari. I'm Kyle. And this is K Have You Seen, the podcast where we usually talk about two movies that, or one movie where we feel strongly, blah, blah, blah. But as you know, we love our Christmas tradition of having an old-fashioned throwdown. Absolutely. So. Also, Curry, if I may, I love the way you described our own podcast as blah, blah, blah. So that was... Yeah. <laughs> well, they get it. They've of listened. Oh, yeah. They're always here. They know. I don't have to tell these we're people. We're all friends here. Yep. So, yeah. Today, we're going to have something a little bit different because it's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, we're going to be talking about two different movies, and lay it down for us, Kyle. So, okay, basically what we've done is taken two movies that are widely considered to be unconventional yet classic Christmas movies, mm -hmm. and uh, we're going to determine which of these two titles holds the greater claim to being called a Christmas movie. So we're not looking at A Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life, White Christmas Holiday, and anything like Miracle on 34th Street, like those unambiguously are Christmas, Christmas movies. Carol. Muppet's Christmas Carol, Mickey Christmas Carol, um, Barbie Christmas, Christmas Carol, <laughs> whatever. Those the are regular all... Christmas <laughs> Carol with, with humans. <laughs> um, all unambiguously Christmas movies. So we are taking a couple of movies that have a slightly more tenuous grasp, I would say, on being straightforward Christmas movies. Those two movies are 1988's Die Hard and 2003's Love Actually. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home soon? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. Instead, he's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be told a lesson in the real use of power. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... Think, David, think! ...is to be a hero. Where's Holly? Black Tucker! Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> John. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. All I want for Christmas is you. Universal Pictures invites you. What's the best sex you've ever had? Britney Spears. No, I ain't kidding. <laughs> she was rubbish. To take everything you know about love. You have this kind of problem? Yeah, of course you did, you saucy mings. And multiply it by eight. Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Rowan Atkinson, Kira Knightley. Christmas is the time to be with the people you love. This holiday season. Uh, does Natalie live here? All you need. Oh. Hello. Is love, actually. Are you singing carols? I suppose I could. Please, sir, please. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, 
deep and crisp and even. Now I know that some of you are probably already screaming at your earbuds or your speakers, saying, "Kyle, obviously." Die Hard is a Christmas movie. There is no question. And I know that there are others of you who are saying, Kyle, obviously, Love Actually is a Christmas movie. There is no question. Okay. We That's, will tell you for sure we at hear the you. end of this episode. Absolutely. So just listen to both sides. And you may disagree, but you probably won't because we're usually right. Yeah, like 99.9% of the time. And then we did that corrections thing yes. in the last episode. So, so that brings us back up to an even hundred, yep. obviously. Um, so... How are we going to start? How are we going to establish which movie is the more Christmassy Christmas movie? Mm -hmm. um, we have to first to kind of establish what makes a Christmas movie. In your opinion, Kari, what are some key elements of Christmas movies? Well, I mean, yeah, we're going to have to talk through this because I was racking my brain as I was watching these two movies. But overall, if I'm just thinking like general Christmas movies, like all of the classics you listed, there's got to be music. Mm-hmm. There's got to be some element of magic. And I will be specific in that last one, Christmas music, because that's going to come of course. up later. Oh, and yeah. it's going to be very important. But, um, yeah, there's got to be some kind of magic element. I think Christmas, there's a lot of... There's just something kind of ethereal about the holiday. Like, you know, that it's entwined yeah. more than, like, Valentine's Day or... Even like Easter or something that still kind of has those religious ties, Christmas is a magical time. I agree. And I think you need to include that in I, the movie. I agree. And I think that as an extension of that, I think you need to also include metaphorical magic, not just literal magic. I think that a movie like A Christmas Story, mm -hmm. which can, has no like m magic per se, mm -hmm. it still captures the quote unquote magic of Christmas as a child. Yeah. So we're not even being super literal about that. Like this is going to be a loosey goosey debate, but we are going to come up to some hard conclusions. Here. Right, and uh, you know, we'll get into this, but I think yes, metaphorical magic is potentially present in both of these. But we, I would say yes. Yeah. Right, and uh, I think that other uh, on a more obvious level, um, one of the things that establishes a Christmas movie to me is the Christmas aesthetic mm -hmm. overall. Absolutely. Visually, we're talking about things like snow, lights, lights, Christmas trees, carolers, etc. Mm -hmm. So um, the Christmas aesthetic is definitely something that it, it can turn a seemingly non-Christmas movie into a Christmas movie. Yep. Um, anything else come to mind? Any other any other factors? Because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm trying to figure out like what really, what, what makes a Christmas movie definitely a Christmas movie? Yeah, I mean, I think, and I'm open to discussion about that, but I do think most Christmas movies have some element of like humanity, mm -hmm. learning, about your own humanity, about respecting other people's humanity, relationships, like there is something about what it means to be human mm -hmm. inherent in a Christmas movie. Even if it's like Bad Santa or one of those Christmas movies that's supposed to be like an anti, mm -hmm. you know, jingle bells and snowmen kind of Christmas movie. There's still something about what it essentially means to be human on a higher level than we deal with on the day to day. Yes. What about you? anything else? So I was thinking about this also, and I think that probably a good Christmas movie has to have an uplifting ending. But I think that, um, in general, I think that the that a, a good Christmas movie has to kind of, in some way, be. I don't want to say didactic, but I think that a good Christmas movie isn't, in, in, in certain ways, a, a, a parable. Yeah, I think we're getting at the same thing with both of these, humanity yeah. and parable. Like, there's something there that's that's about higher learning, that's about, mm -hmm. like, 
Yeah, yeah, whatever that that is. That a kind spiritual of essential, connection. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. And I was trying, as I was watching these, like, I'm try, trying to separate kind of that that sweetness, like the uplifting ending thing. I don't necessarily think that's true. You know, I'm, I think there are, you know, these anti-Christmas Christmas movies, and I am very much a, like, give me Jingle Bells and Rudolph mm -hmm. and, like, sweet Christmas, mm -hmm. starry happiness claymation. Like, I'm down with all of that. Mm -hmm. I don't always need, like, a dose of reality in my Christmas sure. movie. But even the ones that do have that dose of reality, I still think, even if it's not an uplifting movie, I think there's still a lot of these other elements. So some of them, mm -hmm. like, you know, I think there's the classic Christmas movies that have certain things always. Like, you could say, it's got to have Santa. It's got to yeah. have literal magic and stuff. But if we're going to broaden it to even these kind of more realistic, I guess, mm -hmm. Christmas movies, although maybe realistic isn't the word I want to use with Die Hard. But, right. um, you know, you, I, there are some I, things that are essential, even if they aren't those, like, cheery elves. I agree. And I think that what I meant when I said uplifting, I think that what I'm really getting at is that optimism, I think, is at the core of why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. It's about mm -hmm. birth. It's about new beginnings. It's about optimism mm -hmm. in the long run. So I think that that's more what I was getting at. Like, it may not necessarily be uplifting mm -hmm. in like the, you know, but it's like, it's a Wonderful Life is a great example. Like in the end, most of the problems that were present throughout this person's life are still there. He just has a new perspective on them. Mm. Um, but it is ultimately optimistic, yeah, right? Absolutely. And I think that that is something that is intrinsic to like the the, the Christmas spirit. Yeah. And so, um, and you would even think like a bad Santa or something, which yes. is undeniably a Christmas movie. Yes, is optimistic. It is ultimately optimistic. Sure. Yes, I believe. So I think that you know what we covered here. I think that we can probably safely lump or. I think we can safely combine or include Christmas music with the Christmas aesthetic. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So aesthetic would definitely be one. If we essentialize to three mm -hmm. topics that we're going to compare both these movies on, aesthetic is absolutely one. All right. I think. So aesthetic, I agree. I think your element of magic is, I think that holds a good bit of weight here. Good. We are um, aligned so far. I'm I think thrilled. so. So like elements of elements of magic, and then the human humanity. How do you, how would we combine that? Mm. Humanity, the parable, the optimism. How would we kind of? Yeah. Could um, we could we even possibly, if I may, distill all of these down into Christmas spirit? Oh my! Trademark that. Copyright it. Yes, Christmas spirit. Mm -hmm. Which I think is distinct from magic, because I think that the magic is part of the Christmas movie thing yep. more than anything. Accepted. Okay, so we've got Christmas aesthetic, magic, and Christmas spirit. These are, are you all right with setting these as our three criteria for determining a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Totally Fantastic. aligned. Excellent. So, without further ado... Um, with those things in mind, there are a lot of things that you gave me an unusual look when I suggested that these two movies, Die Hard and Love Actually, have a lot in common um, mm. in regards to their Christmassiness. Um, no, I'm always here for yeah. a unlikely pairing. That Grinch <laughs> one is still blowing my mind to this day, so I am absolutely open to whatever you have to say. So both movies feature similar elements that have helped them build their own reputations as Christmas movies. First of all, they're both set at Christmas. Yeah. Duh. Okay. 
Um, they both feature Christmas decorations in, you know, within, you know, around Christmas parties, families gathering for Christmas, Christmas music, and they both spawned a zillion knockoffs, which is not part of the Christmasiness, but they do have that in common. Mm -hmm. The Love Actually spawned a whole subgenre of holiday-themed anthology rom-coms, which is so specific, mm -hmm. I can't believe that that became a, a trend. Um, and then Die Hard spawned a lot of imitators that um, one of my personal favorite podcasts, Junk Food Cinema, have deemed the Die Hardlies, which <laughs> I love. That is amazing. I love that. Inclu and including its own sequels. So. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so we're going to look at the unique elements that would potentially qualify these movies as Christmas movies. Oh, and one other thing, one very important thing that I didn't even think of when I proposed these two mm -hmm. movies. These two movies, it's an Alan Rickman Double Trouble Christmas Party! I didn't think about that either, but then as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh man, we're going to spend this whole Christmas with Alan Rickman. What a wonderful guy. And indeed, yeah, right, right. And he, um, in one way or another, is sort of the villain in both stories, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would be another interesting thing to dive into in another podcast, sure. but oh, that is a course. complicated character. Absolutely. I'm not talking about Hans Group. <laughs> not that complicated. Very surface. Okay, so um, without further ado, let's get into... Love Actually. So this, if you are not familiar, this is an anthology film. Came out in 2003, British romantic comedy. Ten intertwining stories, some of them more romantic comedy than others, but all revolving around the Christmas season. Basically in the month leading up to Christmas is mm -hmm. this, is this, uh, this movie. Um, wildly popular. Yes. Huge hit. Critically acclaimed. I'm personally not the biggest fan of it. Mm. I don't dislike it. I think that, you know, rewatching it this week, I was reminded that, oh yeah, this is good. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I'm, it's not my thing. Gotcha. That's, I mean, to talk about my experience, because this is a little bit different than our normal episodes, mm -hmm. where we're not necessarily bringing these movies because we feel so strongly, sure, exactly. and obviously not because the other one hadn't seen it. But I, this is not one I would necessarily consider myself to feel strongly about. Same. But, on rewatching it, I it is a really great movie, and I think it gets to a lot of very realistic human relationship things, and still maintains the optimism you're talking about. Like mm -hmm. I just on this watching, and it may just be like whatever you know, things affect you differently, whatever. But I this one, oh man, I was like crying at certain parts. I really got into the like. Just the stories and the way, especially just the Alan Rickman story, I think is mm -hmm. so powerful and so just realistic. Like none yes. of these stories, some of them are a little bit like heightened in, in terms of romance and like, you know, the the admin worker house, I'm not even totally sure what she was. She was kind of a, a Laura Linney? secretary. No, no, no. Oh, um, um, Natalie. Oh, Natalie. Natalie. There were a lot of secretarial characters in this movie. Yeah. That I'm, I'm like he wasn't, kinda, she wasn't his aide, but she was more of like a yes, secretary yes. kind of the, little, little um, house employee. Yes. And the prime minister falling in love kind mm -hmm. of at first sight. There's a lot of love at first sight. But anyway, so. He has a type. They established yeah. this. This is yeah. more of a Bill Clinton. 20 years This ago. is more of a Bill Clinton-y situation than a romance, I would say, <laughs> oh, but whatever. Yeah. Bill Clinton as Tony Blair. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, there is kind of that heightened, but it is all very realistic, and I feel like there's a lot to find that you're just like, you can find yourself in points of your life in all of these different stories, and so it's... Yeah, I agree. I felt it's, more strongly than I remembered about it. I Yeah, and, and to be fair, I liked it more this time than I had in the past. Mm -hmm. um, 
some of my friends really, really, really love this movie, so mm-hmm. I've watched it before, back when I was in college and stuff. But um, also, just like I, I know about it its reputation as well. It's an immensely popular movie for being mm-hmm. an R-rated romantic comedy. Right. I always forget it's R-rated. There's a lot it's of really not that. Oh, there's a, bad, a lot of nudity. There's a lot of <laughs> unnecessary nudity. I would it's say. British. Yeah, <laughs> it's very British. British. Yeah. They don't have hangups. Yeah. Um, oh. But it's yeah. And and to your point uh, earlier, yes, the, the storyline involving Alan Rickman. And um, Emily Blunt, right? Emily Thompson. Emily Thompson. Tom- em- Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson and Emily Blunt. I don't get the people confused, but I get their oh, yeah. names mixed up a lot. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Emma Thompson. Okay, so Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman's storyline, very kind of melancholy, as well as mm-hmm. the storyline involving um, Laura Linney and uh, her, her brother. Like, mm-hmm. they really sneak some heavy stuff into this otherwise kind of light and fluffy romantic comedy. And you didn't even mention Liam Neeson, who's a widower. Yes, like yeah. The on-its-face most which, dramatic story, but... Which, yes. but they kind of... Even the story kind of breezes past that very early on. Yeah, like, I will say, like... It, he moves on fairly quickly. Very fast, yeah. It's... That one, that uh, impacted me. And his son, his stepson. Yes! It is totally on board with it. So. Although there, I, I would say, I think that their scenes were my favorite scenes uh, in the movie. Like the scenes so between Liam sweet. Neeson and the little kid from Game of Thrones. Yeah, Jojen Reed. <laughs> yeah, are, are some of the best scenes in the movie. They're, oh, they're absolutely. Great. And he's just the cutest kid, so that like gives you a bump automatically. But This is yes. pre-Liam Neeson being contractually obligated to be a gruff badass in every role that he takes. Yeah, which you forget about. Every time he answered the phone, I was like, I have a particular set of skills. Like, how are you not gonna see that anymore? But yeah, yeah, that was one of the sweetest ones. Um, But yeah, and also just real quickly have to acknowledge that obviously this movie has a ginormous cast, including Mm -hmm. some KHBC and all-stars such as Kira Knightley in a non-period piece for once. Yeah. Bill Nye, uh, Martin Freeman, Billy Bob Thornton as a scuzzball again. Yep. Um, an American scuzzball. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton now two for two on KHBC Christmas specials. So yeah. we have a recurring cast. If he's that in, is if he, for sure. I don't remember if he's in Long Kiss Goodnight or Reindeer Games, but if he is, we need to cover those next year probably. Yep. I'm surprised um, he's not sneaking in a Die Hard somewhere. <laughs> I don't think he was famous yet, but that's not here or there. Um, so okay, so let's talk about the case in favor of this one being just a Christmas movie in general. Uh, we talked about some of the mm-hmm. commonalities earlier on, so. Um, I think that, you know, obviously universal love is a key element of this storyline. That's what really the whole movie is about. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a key element of the traditional Christmas philosophy as well. So that's a big, strong mark in its favor, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole movie is about human relationships, humanity, Mm -hmm. what, you know, how people relate. I mean, we didn't even mention, but like all these stories are intertwined by a lot of like family ties and Mm -hmm. a lot of you know, friendship ties, so maybe not every character is prominent in every line, mm-hmm. but you do see little moments where you're like, oh, the Prime Minister is the, actually, the brother of Emma Thompson. Correct. And Liam Neeson? Liam, okay, so Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson, I do not think are related by blood. I think they're friends. I always thought they were brother and sister. I thought so too, but the only way it really makes sense is if they're not all three related. Because I was so confused about the accent. Like, he yeah. is yeah. Irish yeah. and very much so. very British. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that makes a little more sense. But I did think, I, I had it always stuck in my head that they were siblings, but whatever. It, it, it plays that way, but I don't yeah. think that's what's actually the case. But okay. regardless, yeah. Yeah, so obvi- I think this absolutely has something to say about that Christmas spirit. Yes. Like, and one thing also that I'm going to say, uh, 
telling the truth on Christmas? Is, is that, that a like a tradition? I, I, I don't or know. Or is that is just it, makes is sense that for the movie? Is that like, something like for British people, like Boxing Day or something? Yeah. Like uh, it's the truth telling day. Everybody. I, I was going to say, like secrets. everybody, like honesty is like the best policy at Christmas. Yeah. I, I guess. I was it's like, like, that's not an American tradition. But what is okay. it? It, it, was, I, it? Was Andrew Lincoln? I think has a line: "If you can't see it at Christmas, when can you see it?" Yeah. I was like, "The other 364 days of the year are fine." No, it's Natalie that says that. He's the oh, one who holds the yes, sign yeah, that yeah, says yeah. like. And because on Christmas, it's Christmas you tell the truth yes. or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it comes up multiple times from unrelated characters. How do they... I would also love to do, like, a chart of this, like, flowchart. Because I was like, how is Andrew Lincoln related to the Prime Minister and Natalie? Are they related? I don't think they're related. I think he's friends... Oh, boy. See, this is... I could spend a long time going through this, like, rabbit hole of, like, so wait, this person knows this person? We don't have to do it. But Somebody I'm on the saying. internet has done this before. Yeah, it I'll exists. find the chart. There Someone is the chart. Someone find the chart and send it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the other uh, big thing, I think, is that... Um, that makes this a very much a strong case for this being a Christmas movie is that character, characters use Christmas, as you said, as a motivation for expressing themselves honestly. So yes, mm -hmm. at, that that that's really what they're doing. So it's not j they're using it expressly as the motivation there. Mm -hmm. So it's it's key to their actions. Although, I would say in other ways, the case against this being a Christmas movie is that. The holiday season is not critical to any of these stories. Okay, I was actually going to say, because I forgot to mention it in our uh, establishing of criteria, one thing I think we should tack on is how integral to the pot plot is Christmas. Yes. Does this movie still work if it's not Christmas? Mm -hmm. And this movie I don't think works. You would have to rely really? on way too many coincidences to put people in certain places and to bring certain characters to kind of the height of their, you know, their certain arc. Like, the reason to get gifts, the reason to all mm. be at a school play, the reason to, like, all those things, I think you would have to do so much more legwork and rely on a lot of coincidences to still make that possible. But let me ask you this. The, the, the nativity pageant at the end of the film brings the majority of the major characters together in one place. But mm -hmm. does anything actually happen there that was necessary for any of those individual stories? I would argue no. I mean, there's that's where the peak of kind of Natalie and the PM's yes. relationship happens, but also the peak of Jojen and the Little American Girls right. relationship. That's where Liam Neeson meets his future love interest. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going through all the plots now, but like that is that's where um, Emma Thompson has to be like where you kind of see yes. the life she has to choose between because right. she has to be the mother to her kids and this like PTA mom and everything, yeah. but also has this emotional struggle that she's going through that doesn't really gel with yeah. what everybody else needs her to be. So. All true, but all of those things could have happened at separate locations and it would not have damaged the overall narrative or the individual narratives, I think. I think it's convenient from a storytelling perspective. I do not think that it was integral. We would have needed like 12 more scenes though to get all of In those things In this already, happening. by the way, one thing I did not remember is that this movie is two hours and 16 minutes long. There's a lot of plot to get in there. I, I think did Die not realize that. I think the same length also. <laughs> But, yeah, sure, why not? Um, and that's one character story that I'm following. <laughs> um, Twelve terrorists, but one main guy. Oh, we will talk about that. Um, but yeah, I, I still think, though, that like you're... I feel as though Christmas plays a pretty superficial role in all of these stories. I mean, mm -hmm. it is almost, in some of the stories, not present at all. Mm, 
I don't think, I mean, the whole like gift giving, the places that everyone is together, like you don't have people together and showing affection all at once, all around the country at any other time of year, you know? That is, That's why that is true. However, I do think that the fact that this spawned holiday-themed anthology romantic comedies, I think what that speaks to, and you cannot blame an originator mm -hmm. for what comes after it, no, no, no. but I do think that that speaks to how flexible this format is to be like any any occasion mm -hmm. can be the catalyst for these stories. Like there, like you've seen movies like um, like Dazed and Confused, mm -hmm. or um, oh shoot, what is that high school movie that's got like everybody at the party? It's got like a whole bunch of inters. That's like, Dazed and Confused, right? No, 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 different high school movie where they're right. Like oh, this is, is the, the one. one I, uh, can't Fast Times at Ridgemont. Can't hardly no. wait is the one I was thinking of where uh, it's like no. all at a party. Mm -hmm. and, I always like, get Fast Times and uh, Dazed and Confused, but I have seen gotcha. Dazed and Confused. Okay. Okay, but anyway, it's like a whole bunch of different stories intersecting, but it doesn't really have to be about any one specific thing for those stories to play out. Yes. To go back to your point about the, like, the spawning of other mm -hmm. holiday movies, none of those have been nearly as successful as this movie because I think that link is not as strong as they thought it was. I don't think Valentine's Day elicits the kind of like deep human reaction in characters that we're supposed to believe in or in audiences that Christmas does. Yeah. I would further argue that by making a Christmas movie, you have a built-in audience because there are a lot of people, and I'm not faulting them for this, there's a lot mm -hmm. of people who just want Christmas movies. And if that Christmas movie happens to be good, instant success. So I think that you're right to an extent, but I think that is equally at least on the side of like, nobody really cares about a Valentine's Day movie no matter what the plot is. But Well, I think, I mean, yes, audience, I think we could look at critical scores too. We could look at something that is not just box office dollars. And I think Love Actually okay. would beat out New Year's Eve or Valentine's Day or Mother's Day or any of those other ones like 10 to 1. I don't have the facts to back me up, but I, I just cannot. Nobody watches Valentine's Day. Maybe like one person. But the no, world does not I watch agree. Valentine's Day the way they watch Love Actually. I agree, and I will give you the last word on that one. And I will follow up with a question. Thanks. What would be your ideal holiday for this type of movie to center around? If or, not Christmas. If not Christmas, mm. what would be your ideal holiday for, for, for this to, this, this ten, basically ten short films spread across and intermingled? Um, I saw New Year's Eve or New Year's or whatever. Didn't love it, but I do think that's another powerful holiday that mm -hmm. like the whole, you know, end of the year, start of the next one. There's not the family tie with New Year's Eve mm -hmm. typically. So, I mean, you know, more or less, but Christmas has that like very strong family tie. Right. Um, Hmm. Maybe Thanksgiving. I think I think there could be something very interesting on Thanksgiving. Uh, Ooh, yeah, you could get that just with like a whole extended family in one house. Yeah, like you're bringing a lot of family together. There's also people who can't be with their family. Right, that can yeah. cause a lot of like heightened emotions. Um, spending family with or Thanksgiving with loved ones, not family, as a whole thing. Spending Thanksgiving on your own, spending it with friends, like all of that stuff. I think there could be stories there. And then obviously you've got all these possible mm, connections yeah. because family is inherent in that as well. So I think these three holidays during the quote unquote holiday season are the most powerful in kind of cultural relevance. That makes sense. If I was going to chain tweak the genre just a little bit to make it less of a romantic comedy, less of mm. a, you know, 
maybe tweak the theming a little bit. I would love to see this this type of movie centered around either St. Patrick's Day. Oh God. Ten intertwining stories of people on bar crawls and falling off of you know various things at yeah. various heights, and uh, or a non horror Halloween anthology. Uh. I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, just Halloween as a holiday. Halloween as like, a holiday yeah. with like no psycho killer or anything <laughs> like that. Just like just a bunch of you know people running around in costumes and having fun. And I wonder if that would be like a char- challenge for marketing. Like if you had a Halloween movie that's not scary, how much like work would you have to be to con- like do to convince people that it's not a scary? Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, also, that would be very interesting. Also, More of a challenge than what I'm. Titles taken, yeah. unfortunately. Halloween, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Halloween party. Yeah. Halloween <laughs> holiday. Um, um, but yeah, so okay, so let's move on and get a little bit into Die Hard, and then we can kind of come back and, and compare yes. and contrast our notes here. So, um, all right, so this was one that I had recently actually seen in the theater that it re-released this year, mm. and I hadn't seen this movie all the way through in ages, mm. and. This time, I was floored. I'd never seen it in the theater before, and I was just, like, gobsmacked by how good this movie is. Just not strictly from, like, oh, yeah, best action movie ever made. I was like, man, every beat of this movie is, like, so well executed, and, like, the energy just keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, for those of you who have been living under a rock since 1988, this is about... John McClane, the New York City cop played by Bruce Willis. He flies to L.A. at Christmas to make amends with his wife. While he is there, a gang of thieves pretending to be terrorists launches a violent heist on the building where John and his wife are attending a Christmas party. John evades detection, starts trying to get help from the outside, but ends up having to fight off the gang from the inside while the LAPD and the FBI try to handle the situation from the street. Um, It is awesome. (laughs) It it, it has a very specific reputation, but I think it earns its reputation Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, Car, you hadn't watched this in a long time either. I'm curious what your reaction was on revisiting it. Yeah, so I don't think I have ever sat down and watched this whole movie. Mm-hmm. I think I've definitely seen parts. I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with Yippie Kaye, Motherfucker, and Hans Gruber hanging off the side of the building and falling in slow motion, um, and some of those like really iconic things. But I, yeah, had not sat down and watched this start to finish. So. This was, I mean, I always caught it on TV, basically, yeah. which we oh, talked about yes. a little bit. We talked yeah. about this very briefly so as not to ruin our good content for this show, <laughs> or the best content. As we do with every right. movie we watch. Um, like, I distinctly remember, when I, especially when I was like a middle and high school, this movie came on FX like 12 times a week for mm-hmm. like 15 years. Yeah. And I, uh, not that I was in middle and high school for a collective 15 years, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, but it was on TV all the time. And so I think this time in the theater was the first time I've seen the un, the unrestricted version, like the not edited for TV version. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh, this might have actually God. been the first time I heard John McClane say, yippee ki motherfucker. Yeah. Which, what do they say? What does he say? They just, they just bleep it out or something like that. yippee ki Mr. Falcon. Which, by the way, actually, Turner Classic Movies did the re-release, and in their promotion for for the re-release, their tagline was "Yippie Kaye, moviegoers," and I was uh, like, "That I love. I, that's fan, that's really great." Um, also, sorry, Dad, didn't mean to cuss at Christmas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they, you know, it's it's just edited. I mean, they they uh, gotcha. they they 
cut out some of the language. Obviously, like that one completely unnecessary topless scene, and uh, like at the yeah, dear God, uh, that's Joel Silver's girlfriend at the time. By the way, he basically said, "You can be in the movie, but you have to take your shirt off." Uh, the '80s. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, yeah. But go on. Sorry. So oh, you were saying? Yeah. Um. So first time sitting watching it all the way through, it is gruesome it it's is pretty gnarly very very i mean violent is one thing but also like choking people out with chains and yep. like killing them by throwing them down Again, the stairs the 80s right like, oh my god um i enjoyed it i mean i do love when like something you know not having seen it all the way through and not being like a huge fan not having like a huge place for it in my mm -hmm. kind of cultural knowledge um my idea of this movie is very simplified, you know, before before watching it this time. But I, so I didn't give it the proper weight for like the, you know, emotional through line. Yeah. Like his relationship with his wife is really compelling. And we can talk more about that because I think it has a lot to do with the Christmas thing and that, that Christmas spirit especially, I yeah. think. Love Actually and Die Hard have equally kind of, I think, grounded ideas of relationships like that they mm -hmm. are huge parts of your life and they can compel you to do these like pretty wild and out there things but at the same time they're not perfect and they are extremely painful at times yeah. so i thought i i really appreciated that watching it all the way through um yeah i mean i i get i get why it is an amazing action movie there's something so cool about having one guy one good guy survive 12 terrorists in yeah. a building trying to kill him like the it's it is cool like John McClane is a cool guy but he's also like you know he's, a good husband in the end and yeah in, in the first movie and, and this is the thing I do not care for any of the sequels mm -hmm. I don't like really like any uh, Die Hard with the Vengeance is pretty good the one with Samuel L. Jackson that one's actually oh, pretty good mm -hmm. but in that first movie, he I forgot how much like Indiana Jones he is in the sense that he is not great at everything in mm -hmm. fact he's using I would say 80% guesswork and like he knows he's in over his head. He is freaking out the yeah. entire time. He's getting beat up, Ooh. cut up, really like he's shoeless. He, like, shoeless, mm -hmm. yeah. He's in he is behind the eight ball the entire movie and he's not cool about it. He's mm -hmm. just like he's like, I'm screwed the entire yeah. time. And he knows it, but he's trying to make the best of it, which I think is um, you know, uh, what makes him such an endearing character in that first movie. Um and I think that's what makes the movie stand out because prior to this one, okay, so John McTiernan was the director mm -hmm. of this movie. The movie he directed right before Die Hard was Predator, which oh. is like much more uh, representative of like those early mid 80s action movies that mm -hmm. were like big blockbusters, which are with like Stallone and Schwarzenegger and mm -hmm. like big, like shredded, gigantic bodybuilder types. Mm -hmm. And then you got like, you know, holding, you know, one arming machine gun. Yeah. And then you got. Bruce Willis, who at this point was just known for Moonlighting, um, the like <laughs> sitcom that nobody remembers anymore uh, unless you were around to see it to begin with. Mm -hmm. And he's headlining an action movie, and it's that it, that's what makes it, I think, still resonate with people. Yeah, it's wild to think like it, it, watching this. You, it's hard not to watch it now and not see like the Bruce Willis we have today and the action movies we have today. Like this movie would have been so different or it, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is as I was watching it, I saw all the different movies that have come from this. Oh, definitely. Like yeah. I could see where it would spin off into like kind of a, 
a puzzle movie where he is in this building and he is in a maze mm-hmm. trying to get out. And, you know, you've seen that kind of more of a spy take on this. And then yeah. you've seen the, like, just blowing shit up and here we go, like, you know, whatever. Like, even the delivery of, sorry, like, you know, jingle bells here, but Yippee Kaye, mother is so subtle. It is so understated. Yeah. That I was almost like, does he say it again? Like, is this going to be his catchphrase? But the way he says it, it's like, Yippee Kaye, mother It's got a reputation. By the way, I see what you're doing, trying to say it as many times as you can. Yep. Um, but it, that line has such a reputation that you're right. It does, you do expect it to be a bigger moment, but really it's just him being flippant, and that is what makes it cool. Mm-hmm. It's just like, he's off the cuff because it's like, at this point, you know, everything has already gone sideways, so what's the worst that can happen, pretty much? Yeah. Um, and I am a cowboy. I'm here alone. Like, this is not going to end well, but... Yep. You know what? I'm gonna go out smiling. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's truly like I, people say it all the time, but like this is really the blueprint for a successful action movie. It's got everything right. Like it doesn't. I, I think that whether you like the movie or not, it doesn't really take any missteps. I think mm-hmm. that it would be hard to find problems with the movie. It's like. Yeah. Other action movies with similar situations, you're like, oh, he should have gotten hurt. Well, he does get hurt. Mm-hmm. He gets hurt really badly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, that would never go correctly. Like, there's a there's a great moment where he's like trying to gauge like swinging in the out like the the, the ventilation <gasps> oh, the ventilation God. shaft, yeah. and he misses his shot, and you can see his body like tense up. Oh, that was yeah. not intentional. He was supposed to make the first window, and then he slid down and grabbed the second one. Oh. I mean, there was a pad. Jeez. There's a pad underneath, right. but like the panic is real. <laughs> I shot this in an actual elevator. Shift. Yeah, right. Yeah, the panic is real, and you can see yeah. that. And it's like oh, that. That adds so much to mm-hmm. like you know. It, it adds that layer of realism in an unrealistic situation. Yeah, and that's uh, the other thing. I think the way the whole culture. I'm not even going to attribute this to me anymore. Is how <laughs> we remember it is much more kind of like purposeful and like he knew things were Mm -hmm, going to work out because another thing that I thought of and I think I'm remembering this right but um from Hot Fuzz when he's like oh did you get to jump to the side and shoot your gun and scream in the air (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. some of that is I'm getting that confused with the um what's the other one with the surfers oh uh Point Break Point Break not that line but there's another line I think where he's referring to Die Hard and he's like oh did you get to do this because it's so cool and even the scene where he's like shooting his gun and screaming is like he's freaking terrified yeah. like he's he doesn't he's just like trying to shoot and run for his life because he knows they're shooting back and yeah. he is just trying to get the heck out of there yeah I, it's yeah. like he's trying to like psych himself up to mm-hmm. do to do it in the first place yeah yeah it is like appropriately flawed mm-hmm. throughout in all of it so yeah I think that's totally in that in its favor yeah i agree and i i would honestly say like i would put this up there i my i my three candidates for the best action movies ever mm-hmm. are die hard Raiders of the Lost Ark, Road Warrior, mm. and like they're they're so flawless, they're mm-hmm. so like perfectly executed, and there have been great ones other than that before and since, but you know those those three movies are just such benchmarks for like how to construct very different kinds of action movies, but like super tight and precise works of of unconventional art, I would say. Mm-hmm. So undisputed great action movie. Undisputed great action movie. How about? Christmas movie. All right, so let's talk about this because, again, those of you who are saying Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. yes, it does take place at Christmas, as we mentioned, and there is a lot of Christmas stuff going on. Although, is Christmas in L.A. even really Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Holly California. weird. 
Um, anyway, it's too hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that the re one of the reasons why this is on my mind in particular, and probably you'll back me up on this, is that in recent years, there's been a very loud and obnoxious corner of the internet that has made a very loud and obnoxious, persistent argument that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. A point that I don't think anyone was really like arguing against, but still people <laughs> feel like they need to aggressively assert the fact that this is a Christmas movie. It's almost that like, it's that like trendy unpopular opinion. It Not is. unpopular opinion in like the controversial way, but in the like, well, I see it this way. And like, you know, the, what is it? The meme where it's the guy cr crossing his hands and then he's like, I guess. Like, it's exactly <laughs> that. Like, yes, true. Nobody's arguing against it because like it's, nobody was thinking about it before. But. It's, it's gone from an unpopular opinion because not a lot of people held that opinion to an unpopular opinion because <laughs> if you hold that opinion and say it loud enough, you become unpopular. Yeah, no one's arguing against you. Just take your Christmas movie and go. Exactly. Um, and now you you alluded earlier to um, your experience rewatching this movie and a conversation you had with oh. someone else you watched it with. Would you care to elaborate? Yes, I did watch it with my roommate and her boyfriend and we got into it afterwards about whether or not it's a Christmas movie and I realized I feel pretty strongly that Love Actually is the better Christmas movie. It okay. Right, okay. I will, you know, I will lay it out as a as a, you know, noble as a gesture, olive branch. It's a great movie. It is a great movie that takes place at Christmas. Christmas is an excellent excuse to watch this movie. It's not a Christmas movie. Okay, and I will I, I will give you credit, and I'm not gonna, I, that's not a bias, it's an informed decision, I believe. And it is, I, thank you, sir. All right, so, <laughs> and now I legitimately though, even though I do find it very irritating when people make the unsolicited argument that Die Hard is a Christmas <laughs> movie, even though no one's saying it's not, in spite of all that, I still actually do believe that Die Hard, if you break it down into its parts and look at it as a whole, is more of a Christmas movie than Love Actually is a Christmas movie. Okay, before we get into point by point comparison, let's just establish what generally makes this a Christmas movie. Yes. And Love Actually aside. Okay, so it is literally the story of a man who is struggling against all odds to reunite with his family and reconcile with his wife because it is Christmas. That is his motivation for being in the story in the first place. And not only that, I mean, obviously the Christmas imagery and the music are present. They're featured prominently. I think that that is... There are a lot of elements within the movie that, have, that are directly connected to the fact that it is the Christmas season. Ah, uh, okay. I I think the first establishing sentence, you could cut off because it is Christmas and the movie would still make sense. He's still got a conflict with his wife. He is still, like, he's not necessarily coming home even because it's Christmas. Like his wife's, he doesn't even go see his kids. He's going straight to his wife's office. They're well, to having be a fair, Christmas party. He wasn't expecting to be like there a, all night. <laughs> fair, fair. But like they're having a party at the office it's, I think this, like I'm saying about the, like, does the plot make sense? You would have way less coincidences to solve for than like a normal Christmas movie. Like you, this could all happen without it being Christmas. And I think there's like one or two connecting elements you would have to add. Let but. me, well, let me ask you this. What other circumstance 
would have a large group of people in an office building after hours while the rest of the building is not there other than a holiday Christmas, a company holiday party. Well, they have like, that's the company that is, that is building the plaza, right? Like it's right. their plaza. So they just opened the plaza. Like they are working on this building. They finally opened it for yeah. business and for visitors. I think there's, I mean, not really knowing the full, like how actually launching a building into operation works. I would believe as a viewer that they were all there because this was like the first night of opening their building for operation or that they were like in the final stretch or they were celebrating that their building had finally opened. I suppose so. I feel like that would be more of like if you're really trying hard to avoid a Christmas setting. I think that you would at least agree that there are not a lot of occasions where this scenario would happen and the most likely one would be a Christmas party, right? Yes, but it's already written into the movie. Like, yeah, that's, you know, doing some legwork, but it's already there. It's not really doing that much legwork because they're the ones who own the building. And like, I don't, I don't even think it would have read as avoiding a Christmas party because it's already laid into the plot that these are the people most likely to be in this building when it's not in operation. I'll be honest with you, and I'm, seriously, I did not consider until right now the idea that there would not be other tenants in the building because some floors are still under construction. I, that thought hadn't crossed my mind. I thought the reason why they were the only ones there was because no other company was, like none of the other tenants were having Christmas parties that night because it was Christmas Eve for one thing, mm -hmm. which, that's the biggest logic leap in this movie is what yeah. freaking company has a Christmas party on Christmas Eve night. That's a movie logic, though. I feel like that happens all the time where they're like, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Did Love actually have one of those? Because, um, no, I guess their company like, Christmas party doesn't happen Well, even Christmas the Christmas Eve, pageant, I'm like, Christmas pageant on Christmas Eve night? No, yeah, right? absolutely like not. Yeah, got to go to bed. But, yeah, I... Yeah, I think that is a leap that a lot of movies take, so I wouldn't hold that against this one. But... I think it makes more sense because if they're having a Christmas party, party that night, why wouldn't other offices have a Christmas party that night? It would even make more sense to be like, they're just here because they run the building. That's true, I suppose. I never really thought of it that way, but you are technically correct. Mm. The best kind Gaining of correct. Ground. Um, yeah, so I even, to me, Christmas does not... Oh, no, no. Oh, before we go into anything Ooh, else. Yes, Christmas music. I There's like two songs in this. Um, and one of them is like in the credits, which does not count. That's true. Although most of the soundtrack is a variation of Ode to Joy, which is questionable. No. Okay. Not a Christmas song. It's not, but it is often used in like classical Christmas canon. I, I think that, that... I don't know. I never hear that at Christmas. But really? also... Yeah, not really. But... I think maybe Christmas is the only time we listen to classical music anymore, That's but that doesn't make it a Christmas song. I think if they had used a Christmas song during, like if it was Joy to the World, even an instrumental version of Joy to the World, that I, I would have a much harder time arguing that it was not a Christmas that's song. True. That's true, that's true. Because that's the only other thing that Christmas kind of has a, to do with the plot, and I honestly kind of missed this and as we were talking about it after we watched the movie um it had to be like re-explained but it could have anyway the gift thing he like looks at the cart and it's like full of presents mm -hmm. and i was like oh there's gonna be something here he's gonna yeah. be like going around with gifts or there's gonna be some kind of christmas element here but all he does is use the packing tape and that packing tape would have been there any time of year 
Yeah, that's true. And I will say, and this is another thing I, I meant to bring up, was that in the 80s, for some reason that evades me to this day, there was a spate of action movies that were set at Christmas. And I don't really? know. Lethal Weapon is set oh. at Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone, is set at Christmas. Mm -hmm. There are got to be more that I'm not thinking of, but there was like a weird, like, both of those movies came out in 1986. This came out in 88, so I don't know if it was like jumping on a trend or what. Part of it is attributed to Shane Black, who's a screenwriter, mm -hmm. and he wrote, uh, most recently he wrote The Nice Guys, oh, uh, wrote and directed The Nice Guys. Mm -hmm. um, but he was a collaborator with John McTiernan, the guy who directed this. He was in Predator. He did rewrites on Predator. So they were buddies. And he wrote um, Lethal Weapon in college and set it around Christmas just... I, I don't remember the exact explanation it was, but it was like about like just having in more interesting set pieces like mm -hmm. Christmas trees and Santa Claus and stuff <laughs> like that around. Um, and, he thought, and he thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like he did that and that triggered like other people to be like, ooh, what if we set an action movie at Christmas? How weird would that be? Yeah. Um, That's, we didn't even get cool, interesting Christmassy set pieces for action. So, like we, I think we saw two trees in the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Now Christmas lights. I was waiting for Christmas lights. That would have been That's like true. an instant indicator for me. Yeah. But he, does put the, um, he does put the Christmas hat on the guy he throws off the building, right? Or no, oh, not the building. The guy he writes, now I've got the machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Oh, yeah, that. Um, oh. All right, I actually found I, I found a list of arguments in favor that I did not come Read up with these up. on my own. These come from Metro.uk. So, number one is literally set at Christmas Eve. And by the way, I'm only going through I'm only going through these because I feel like Die Hard is the dark horse in this argument. I think that like I can easily acknowledge that. Like I think mm. more people would say that love actually makes the better claim. So, all right, number one, literally set on Christmas Eve. Coincidental. Fine. John McClane is basically Santa. What is he delivering? He's dead sneaking. people? Oh, okay. Into okay, not the gift thing, just the breaking into people's houses. He's delivering lead, motherfucker. <laughs> um, he John is a weary traveler, a la Joseph and Mary, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. If number three is going to be this big of a stretch, both, I don't have a lot of hope. Both stories, the, nat the nativity and Die Hard, have a pregnant lady in it. Oh, that is true. Uh huh. There's a festive feel-good romance in it. Ooh, uh, festive feel-good romance? I don't know about yeah. that. Spirit of friendship with with uh, uh, oh, Reginald Bell Johnson. Yeah. yeah, Carl Winslow. Yep. <laughs> God, how did he end up? How did he end up playing? Basically, I like to imagine that Family Matters is a spinoff of Die Hard, yeah. and he is the same person. After he had a couple more kids, they like picked back up with this cop. Where's he at in his life now? Changed his name because he didn't want to be associated with that other thing that happened a yeah. long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, features one of the best Christmas songs ever in it, Christmas and Hollis, arguable. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a few things here. I mean, it's, these are loose, but I think that, you know, the, you know, the, the spirit of friendship part, I think that is legitimately yeah. a thing. Um, the, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I think that the biggest one for me really was the idea that this is about a person who was motivated by the fact that it is Christmas. He's trying to spend Christmas with his family and develop a new start with his wife, which doesn't mm -hmm. feel forced. It feels very much, much like in Love Actually, I feel like this would be a hilarious 11th story in Love Actually is oh. if this was in there. Merge oh these God. two movies together, ultimate Christmas movie. Yeah, throw away the argument which one's better. The best Christmas movie would be if John McClane was just one of the characters. Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Colin Firth, Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Rowan Atkinson, Kira Knightley. Bruce Willis. We 
see him in uh, Kira Knightley's wedding for like a minute, yes. and then and then he's got to hop a plane to two L.A. Two hours later, yep, he's uh, London to L.A. In the and the, of yeah, the exactly. God, someone recut Love Actually with just a couple John McClane scenes. In oh my there? God, amazing! Please, Die Hard Internet, Actually. Please, that's what I want for Christmas. Absolutely. Die Hard Actually. Man, by the time this comes out, you'll have a week. So or Love Hard. Get to it. Love Hard. Die Actually. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Love hard die actually. Okay, yep. um, but yeah, the idea that you know he is there is that one scene where like he gets into like an argument with Holly, his wife, mm -hmm. and then after she leaves, he's immediately like, "Why did you do that? That was so stupid." Oh yeah. And it's like you really you really feel like he is sincere and like he wants to be a better person. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, he has the whole like when he's talking on the radio, like I don't feel so good up here. Yeah. Tell my wife like, and what he wants to tell her is like, "I'm sorry, I didn't support you more." Yeah. Like, I, got a pretty feminist message it here. Does. It does, it does. And it's, it's, and it's one of the rare movies that kind of examines the man's perspective on a, on a, in a feminist narrative mm -hmm. in a way that feels both true to life and positive. Yeah. Because it's and like he's having, like, he's having a hard time dealing with the fact that, I don't think he's having a hard time dealing with the fact that his wife has a career. It's that she is trying, she is uprooting the family. And right. He's, she is leading yeah. the family's trajectory right now and he has to fall in line and that's, yeah, I totally agree. And I think you're totally, like, it's not the, this story also has been told in ways that are much heavier handed. Of like, mm -hmm. oh, but, like, they honestly never say it to each other. He never says it directly to her, like, you're right, you're successful, yeah. I'm so proud of you, I am I can be comfortable in my masculinity. Like, he realizes that on his own, yeah. and they reconcile of their own accord. Like, not, not because of some bigger, like, ethical discussion, and it's... Yeah, I, like I mean, that. it's ultimately a story of a person who is making an effort to change, but that effort becomes a lot harder than he anticipated. <laughs> yeah, it's like a domestic drama that gets invaded by a crime movie. Yes, that oh man, I'm so into this Love Actually Die Hard crossover. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I mean, I know what I'm doing uh, when I'm in Florida for Christmas for sure. Just playing <laughs> scene by scene each of the movies. Pause and play. Pause and play. Alan Rickman, Bruce Willis. So now we've kind of laid out the individual arguments in favor, uh, in favor and against, and uh, arguments against. I say none. Like really, like I, the arguments in favor might be loose depending on your perspective. Mm -hmm. Arguments against it being a Christmas movie, I think, nah, there really aren't any. Yeah, you know that's what I'm trying to say from the beginning. Is I, it's like people like what they like. There's oh, no yeah. bad reason to watch a movie at Christmas. Like mm -hmm. whatever Christmas means to you. You know, candles blur burning low, lots of mistletoe, lots of snow and ice everywhere you go. Like, any of that. <laughs> um, it's it's not a bad movie to watch at Christmas. Sure. It's just not as Christmassy as Love Actually. So, okay. So, let's actually start looking at our criteria since we've got both of these movies laid out. All right. So, number one, Christmas aesthetic. Oh, Love Actually. Ten you think so? One. You think so? Yes. Oh, no. We are in a mall at Christmas. I guess we never see Santa, do we? we no, no, Santa. not not a mention of Santa or Father Christmas. Although, just lobsters. I think yeah, there was more than one lobster present at the birth of Jesus. That is a great line. I think there's an argument for Rowan Atkinson being Santa in Ooh, this movie. Ooh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I was noticing that this would go around. Like he is the man at the counter who's like wrapping up the gift for mm -hmm. Alan Rickman for the woman that he's like kind of on track to cheat on his wife with. Um, who wears? Devil horns and a red dress with a Christmas Yeah, party. what kind of try-hard BS what? was that? Yeah, this girl is sad. He needs to stay away from her. But 
so he's the one who's kind of like delaying and he's giving um, Alan Rickman all these chances to consider what he's doing. And then at the end, he's also at the airport and he's like yes. giving uh, Jojen all this time to go and see his lady love. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the magic might be Rowan Atkinson. Oh, we'll, we'll get to the magic. We'll get to the magic right. okay, momentarily. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, so Too fast. But... Yeah, I mean, there's a Christmas play, there are Christmas trees, there, there are lights, there are, we see a whole montage of a neighborhood of England with all these kids and all ready for Christmas and all these families and like, you feel Christmas. You don't just like, they don't, you don't just hear about Christmas. They don't just talk about Christmas. Like Christmas is present in the visuals of this movie. Mm, okay, all right. And Christmas music. Yeah, okay, so the Christmas aesthetic, yeah. I think that there is a discussion of uh, what constitutes a Christmas movie is under discussion in mm -hmm. the in the car with Argyle. Argyle is the guy Argyle. in, oh, mm -hmm. in the limo, yeah, mm -hmm. who is great, also, also amazing great. character. Even though he spends eighty percent of the movie just sitting in the car doing with nothing, the stuffed bear yeah. talking on the phone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that the the Christmas aesthetic is more omnipresent, mm. definitely mm -hmm. in in Love Actually. Um, I don't know. I think, yeah, pound for pound, there's just more Christmas aesthetic in Love Actually. Although, how much Christmas music is in it other than the very bad Billy Mac song? Oh, yeah. But we do hear that song a lot. Well, um, the song that they play at the end, mm -hmm. at the little Christmas recital All or I whatever. Want for Christmas is You, the yes, Mariah Carey yep. cover. Mm -hmm. um, that is one. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do have some non-Christmas songs. I Catch a Falling Star, I think if... Ode to Joy does not count. Catch a Falling Star does not count. Hmm. Um, what else is there? There's also, yeah, we hear The Beatles Love, Not a Christmas Song. All right, I'm going to look this up. Christmas songs in love, actually. Oh, they do play Otis Redding's White Christmas. Yes. All I Want for Christmas is You. Yep. Okay, so that's three Christmas songs in love, actually. Okay. Okay, so Christmas and Hollis obviously is in Die Hard. Let It Snow is in Die Hard, and, ah, oh man, Ode to Joy is such a tricky one. Mm -mm -mm. Nope. I swear at least one of them appears in the credits, and that does not count. It does count. Nope. Why does it not count? Nope, nope, Why? nope. Not diegetic. Doesn't count. Oh, oh, if we're only going by diegetic music, that's a shoe-in then not for Not technically diegetic, just, uh, you know, meta-diegetic. Mm -mm -mm. All right, well, shoot. All right, I guess that we're not going to get a definitive answer on that one. But I think aesthetically, love actually takes Love actually, all right, I will... have two to three more categories. I will, I will grudgingly give that one to love actually. All right, magic. Magic. All right. I will be honest. I'm, I'm going to call this one also magic slash miracles. Mm, yes, that's a good way to put it. And I think Die Hard may have I a think, leg up on this one. I definitely think so. I will defend love actually. The amount of connection that is happening, especially, I think it would be extremely suspect how much like love at first sight is happening in this movie, except for it's Christmas magic. You think that there's a lot of love at first sight in this one? I think there's a lot of, I mean, I don't think it's like, oh my gosh, we're both in love, this is amazing. It's like instant connection Interesting. might be better. Because I, okay, so let's see. You want me to go through them? Please do. The PM and Natalie, 
the PM immediately is like, oh, that's inconvenient. And because Be he's like already falling in love with her. Because he has a type. We've oh, we established yeah, this. That's true, that's he true. has a physical type. His is <laughs> one of his relatives, or I think it was uh, uh, Emma, Emma Thompson, Thompson establishes this. Yeah, that's fair. And yes, I think it's accurate to read it like that. But it's also like a connection. Like It is a connection. There's but... a romance happening there because he's doing more than like, it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You can't talk about that on Christmas. No, he like is actually interested in her and getting to know her. And I think that's the difference between his type 20 years ago and his type now. Like she still would have been his type 20 years ago, but he is 20 years older and a grown up now. So it, there's more to it than just like physical attraction. Um, the uh, Portuguese English mm -hmm. couple um, who I can never remember his name. I know he's Colin Firth. Colin Firth. I knew he was one of the Collins yeah. or the Hughes or the one of those. Um, that was. I will give you that one. You don't need to make a strong case for it because I agree that one is close to an instant attraction. Yeah. I do wonder though. Was he just falling into the exact same trap that he was in in the last relationship? Like, was he just reading love into a person that he actually didn't know that well? I was. Oh, struggling with sex. I, say, I would say one. unambiguously he was doing that. Hopefully it works out better though. Maybe well, that's the miracle. By us having the benefit of subtitles, they we can see that they are both on the same page even though they don't realize it themselves. Right. As I they mean, are talking to each other. Yes. I don't want to be too cynical about it. But it's, yeah. his old girlfriend was his old girlfriend. So, but <laughs> uh, yeah, they that I think... A lot of those relationships, and I mean Liam Neeson and Carol. Yeah, Jojo one... has been in love with that girl for a while, so. And that story, yeah, and I think that that one was more or less meant to mirror the situation with Liam Neeson was meant to more or less mirror the situation with his stepson. Mm -hmm. um, and so that one, within the context of the one story, I would count that as a one because that's one of that's like one of mm -hmm. ten. Mm -hmm. The Colin Firth situation is a little tricky, only because like yes, it was it did seem pretty immediate for him, mm -hmm. but it was more like they were forced to be around each other for yeah. various reasons. Um, Alan Rickman and Mia, definitely not. Yeah, he was, that was actively more of like the real. Oh, Mia's the the oh yeah. Tart. The harlot. The, um, um, the tryhard. The tryhard. I'd say that, if anything, he was trying to avoid her at, yeah. uh, for most of the time, and it seemed like it had been this situation had been building for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, similar with Laura Linney and the guy who played Paolo on Lost. Um, um, Carl. Carl, that's right. The least attractive name for, like, a pretty <laughs> handsome dude. He's... Yeah, that dude was very attractive, please. Very like, handsome. Especially when he took it. off his glasses. <laughs> I, think I am sick glasses and tired like... of this trope of, oh, now he's attractive because he took off his glasses. This nerd. I can only see the beauty behind the glasses. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm tired of this trope. I think they had to, they were like, dang it, he's just like shining too bright. We gotta put some glasses on him. Like, this is... It was a very Superman Clark Kent thing. It's like, it was clear what they were trying to do, but it's not working. Yeah. Um, okay, and then you had the situation with Colin, obviously the only one who found true love. Magic. Yep, that was a miracle. <laughs> Everything he hoped for happened. That, that was, was a Christmas miracle. I would call that one a Christmas miracle. That the was really strange. Um, Martin Freeman. There was a lot of, like, co-workers hooking up in this movie, which I didn't yeah. really put together at the time. Um, yeah, Martin Freeman and the other body double... 
Um, Body doubles for like five weeks. This was a very was a long well shoot. produced porno. Like I, th I thought it was a legit movie. I thought it was supposed to be like a legitimate movie. I mean, that's the only thing that would explain the budget. But there were so like, many opulent sex oh my, scenes oh that no. they were body doubling. Like this is not Boogie Nights, right? So this is like plussed up Boogie Nights. No, because like he was talking about how oh I did a, I was body double for Brad Pitt in Seven Years in Tibet. Right. I think that this the whole reason you use body doubles is because you it's a legitimate lights, movie. Well, no, because you're, they're standing, they're stand-ins for legitimate actors. Well, I think they were body doubles to actually set the lights. And oh, I set thought they the, were actually. Oh, I no, thought they were I actually mean, doing like shooting. And yeah, because I mean, you can use body doubles because they don't want to do the scene, but you can also use body doubles because, like, while actors are in oh, hair yeah, and you makeup, can. you I guess have I, right, body no, doubles I, come in so you don't waste time. Yeah, so I think yeah. they were that interesting. That purpose of interesting. Body okay, well. But regardless, we got off on a weird tangent there. <laughs> um, so the, uh, what, who does that leave? That leaves, okay, so the um, the Kira Knightley and oh, Andrew yeah. Lincoln mm -hmm. and Shota Ejio for, I hope I didn't, I hope I said that name fast enough oh. that nobody can tell that I don't know how to say it. Um, that little triangle situation, that was right. not, that was not an immediate deal at all. That was much more of a uh, Yeah, I think we get scenario. the idea that it was a slow burn, but still like a, Something like that, where he barely, he only knows this woman as his best friend's girlfriend, now mm -hmm. wife, and doesn't seem to like her all that much. Like that, I think we are supposed to believe that's kind of love at first sight, because why would you? Perhaps. Like that, there was no room to grow there. You were going from something that was supposed to be completely unromantic. It skips over a lot of potential context in that mm -hmm. story, I think. Sure. Like, that would that would shed a little bit more light on, like, what the situation really was. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so, yeah, there's not... Uh, yeah, I, I see what you were getting at. I don't see nearly as, as much, like, love at first sight situations in this movie as there could have been, mm -hmm. potentially. I think the magic of love is very present in this All right, movie, okay, maybe, okay. is what I'm trying to say. As opposed I mean, to the literal magic of being able to survive a, <laughs> a a building of 12 insanos shooting at you for, for four hours. No one wants to talk about it, but that was magic. <laughs> John McClane is magic. Um, yeah, okay, all right. You have the floor. All right, I am going to Tell us about this. the magic of Dar Die Hard. I mean, if we are going to look at this, I mean, it, so much of this movie is, so much of Die Hard is grounded in reality. Like, obviously not all of it. I'm not going to say <laughs> that. But, like, so Tell much which of Which parts are grounded in reality? So, I think that the, the setup is very, like, the setup and the way our, like, the hero is thrust into the situation, I think happens about as realistically as it could. Mm -hmm. Like, act one establishes that this is not a movie that is, you're not getting a cold open scene of like a James Bond movie where it's like you see him performing some superhuman, ridiculous act or whatever. He's mm -hmm. a regular guy with regular problems going to see his wife mm -hmm. and make up and do regular, you know, family stuff at Christmas. And mm -hmm. then, like I said, this psycho crime movie invades, <laughs> invades that domestic drama. And when thrust into an extraordinary situation, he responds in a way that makes logical sense, evade, call for help. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. And so when he ends up being forced to take matters into his own hands, as a last resort, it's... 
he is like shielded by the protection of God almost. Like he Santa. is, he is nice. He's got Santa magic. Yeah. Um, but it's like he is not. He, he's not invulnerable. But the fact that he is able to survive, let alone like end up like not thriving, but end up like on top of the situation by the end, and like his his various scrapes end up adding up. I think to perhaps some form of a divine intervention if you want to look at it in a literal sense mm -hmm. but in in general i think that it is very much like i look at action movies sometimes as magical realism oh uh, yeah okay yeah i hadn't thought about it that way but i think that is a hundred percent fair it's fantasy but like a realistic fantasy it's, it doesn't it, have the trappings of like oh this is fantasy like, but the, like the world we're in is essentially the real world but something right. extraordinary has happened. Mm -hmm. and but so, this could not actually happen, most ex likely. Exactly, yeah. Okay. I will get... It's a Christmas miracle that he survives. It's a Christmas I miracle, yes. That to you. There's no arguing that. There's no way that even... He's like a freaking NY cop. Like, what? That's not... I mean, yes, he's, he's more trained for these situations than, like, Ellis, who's a total doorknob. But <laughs> he is not... He's not, like... You know, CSI. Not even no, that. Like, yeah, he's not like special ops or anything. No, no, no. And it's like, I feel like if this movie was made today, not as a remake, if this movie, if somebody just pitched Die Hard today mm -hmm. as a script, there would have to be some, like, it would, first of all, star The Rock, obviously. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I, rock movies, yeah. It would be The Rock, yeah. and we would get a, 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 a setup situation about his, like, background is Black Ops or something like yeah. that. And mm -hmm. that's why he's got, you know, he's trained to be able to handle this. Like, no. John McClane is not trained to handle the situation. <laughs> He's trained to like catch drug dealers and stuff on the street. Yeah. And yeah, and so yeah, uh, yes, Christmas miracle all around. Yeah. Although I do like the like, I feel like New York cops and LA cops watching this probably have a very different experience <laughs> of the movie. Like. Oh no doubt, and like FBI, like <laughs> Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson, the relation. Oh yeah. I, th I feel like the feds always get a bad rap. Like, it's always like, the freaking feds coming in. This is my case! Yeah. Uh, Not anymore, like, officer. What did he say? The, it's like, uh, just like Saigon. And he was like, I was in middle school. Yeah, I, I really appreciated that old guy, young guy dynamic that yeah. they had. Like, when they got into the helicopter and, like, their pretense <laughs> dropped and they were just, like, busting each other's balls. I really, yeah. I, I appreciated that. And then they exploded and died because barely anyone makes it out of this movie. And That's right, not yeah. not supposed to feel bad about it. No. Um, okay, so yeah, we are, and we could talk at length about lots of these side tangents that we're, we're discussing with both of these movies, I think. Um, so now we're at one and one, mm -hmm. which brings us to the tiebreaker. Christmas, Christmas spirit. I don't think you can have this much gruesome murder in a movie that, like, I don't think that counts. I think that counts against Christmas spirit. You can Ooh. have a movie like... Krampus or whatever that is definitely a Christmas movie although I haven't seen it it's on the list but I think you make up in magic with a movie like that Christmas spirit though no that is actively negative I give you there's the humanity of him and his wife's relationship I think that would stand the test of any holiday or situation hmm Murder does not stand the test of Christmas to me on that level, at least. You could maybe have, like, there's some threshold there where I, where I would accept it and still feel like Christmas spirit is present. But no, I saw too many deaths that nobody was remorseful for. Mm, okay. 
That, I think, is not as much of a Christmas spirit dampener as you mm. think. <laughs> okay. All Go right. on. All right, look, I, I think that, um, okay. I think that the underlying theme, which I have discussed at length, about a guy who's trying to reunite with his family and mm -hmm. make amends for his own, own up to and make amends for his own shortcomings as a father and a husband, mm -hmm. I think that is in line with Christmas spirit. How much weight you give that is questionable. I also think that the idea of uh, good triumphing, o triumphing over the forces of evil mm -hmm. is a very Christmassy is a very Christmassy idea. I think that uh, by, you know, by positioning John McClane as like the underdog, uh, a, you know, a good man in a bad situation mm -hmm. um, without making him, without making him aggressive, I would say. Like he's not aggressive, he was responsive. Right? Okay, all right. <laughs> he responded aggressively, but... He did, he did, he did. I will give you, it's all prompted. I don't think he needed Christmas to make any of the changes or realize any of the humanity-altering realizations that would, he had. Like, I agree, but I would also, I would say that that is as true about all ten stories in Love Actually as it is about John McClane in Die Hard. I think, and I know you're going to argue this for Die Hard too, <laughs> but I think Christmas is a catalyst for all of those, much more than John McClane needed a catalyst for this. I think he had come to that realization anyway. It feels like Christmas is a coincidence. Like I, I don't think he needed Christmas to realize that his family was important, that he might have been wrongheaded, that he needed to come around and make amends. I think the catalyst is more like, it's not that the season made him realize all that. It was the fact that it's Christmas gave him a, what's the word I'm looking for? Excuse. It, not an excuse or more of like a... Uh, coincidence. Oh, no, not a coincidence. I, I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I think that, that it, it made him, I think that the time of year makes some people reflect mm -hmm. and, you know, much like, not not in the same way that New Year's makes people like, New Year, new me. Mm -hmm. I think that Christmas really does make some people try to be honest with themselves at, about being a, uh, about being the person that they are and about how they can be a better person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is very, I wouldn't say directly, but I think that that is very clear to me that that was the motivation for coming out at this particular time. So at Christmas, you tell the truth is what you're saying. Did I say that? I think that's what you said. Ooh, man. And I feel like it's Are you more putting... explicit in Love Actually. It's, oh, it's very explicit. <laughs> at least twice. There's, I mean, I, I just feel like this would have happened anyway. Also, there was a very, um, very key detail that you left out. Mm -hmm. um, at the end of the movie, when Let It Snow plays, mm -hmm. all the the papers, the bearer oh. bonds, are oh. falling like snow. Oh. I didn't really catch that. But Snowfall yeah. in Los Angeles. <laughs> yep. Christmas miracle, miracle number two. <laughs> Christmas spirit, mm. indeed. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to argue that the Christmas spirit in Die Hard 
is particularly strong and visible, mm -hmm. but I also don't know that it's necessarily that strong and visible in Love Actually either. I think that the decorations make it appear more that way, but I think that in in, in Die Hard in particular, it's just I I I just feel like it is more directly the motivation for the entire thing is more directly connected to the holiday. I did not feel like that. Mm. I feel like he would have done this anyway. Maybe he was already coming home for Christmas because it is Christmas. Like he had booked that flight and it just so happens that on his flight here he was like, "Oh, it's Christmas." <laughs> not even that, but just like Okay, like we're gonna come around. We are gonna make amends. This is time. Like this is the excuse to see my wife and tell her that I'm ready to move hmm. to LA or whatever the next step was. But I think if he had booked that flight for any other reason, just because he's the father of those kids and his wife lives in LA, I think he would have made the same choices and would have felt the same feelings. Mm, perhaps. You don't think that Maybe, just maybe, mm, the Christmas spirit was what heightened his drive to overcome his situation. Do you think that possibly, maybe, this hardened, callous mm. New York City beat cop was overcome with Christmas spirit that drove him to get these people and his wife out of harm's way on Christmas Eve with the help of a kind stranger mm. who shot a kid Ugh. and is looking for redemption and he finds it, even though he almost shoots another guy at the end yeah, for no real reason, but like, um, <laughs> I feel like that whole, like, we, and I think that in this case, yes, Carl Winslow's story, Reginald Vell Johnson, whose character name escapes me now, Al? Al, right? Prescott or something? No, oh, uh, maybe Al. Al. It starts with a P in the last name. Uh, some, uh, maybe, uh, I can Google it. Anyway. Al, I think that his story is is key in the you Christmas. Can call him is, yeah, okay. Well, Reginald Bell Johnson. I think that his his storyline is also key in the Christmas spirit part too, because he is looking for redemption as a police officer, as a person. Like, yes, I mean, it's a very touchy subject right now. The whole idea of like how he shot a kid by accident. Mm -hmm. um, but he is torn up by that, and he is see throughout this whole movie. He's trying to. He maybe not consciously, but he is pushing to be a good cop, be a good person find his his confidence in his ability to do good for his community and for his fellow man. And I think that that adds just that extra little layer of Christmas spirit to this movie. Not to throw you a bone when you're already on a roll, but his wife's also pregnant. He's yes. trying to make it back to her. I don't know yep. if that's the pregnant woman you were talking about originally. Oh, there's two. There's, that's yeah. her and the, and the woman who's up who had to go to the bathroom. Throw her out. Not a good uh, example, <laughs> but... Carl's wife yep. being pregnant, I mm -hmm. think, because that's another thing. If we're going to throw in, because I feel like we're pretty head-to-head -head right now. I don't mm. know how we're going to solve this, but there's Secret Santa. There's always a Secret Santa in a Christmas movie. There's that's always true. that one guy yeah. who turns out to actually be Santa. Obviously, Rowan Atkinson in Love Actually, but like, who would, would it be Carl? I think it would be, I think it would be uh, Carl Winslow, the, I mean... Love. No, Santa can't have accidentally shot a kid. That's not. How do you that's know? That's not a backstory that know? Santa could ever have. The the uh, the jovial overweight guy with facial hair. <laughs> oh. Not that jovial. He's very. He's got a dark past. Um, Who loves sweets? Also, 
That is true. Although they're for his wife. They are for his wife, but you know he's going to eat at least one yeah. on the way home. <laughs> Nobody buys that many Twinkies and doesn't, or, or whatever they were, hostess cakes, and, and doesn't eat at least one on the way home. That's what the uh, look in that gas station attendant's eyes was, mm -hmm, so, or mm -hmm. whatever it was convenience for. I don't think he's the secret Santa. If there's no secret Santa, then there's no there's way no this There's no secret Santa. Be. Okay, well, what, wait, wait, okay. I, I do object to your idea that Rowan Atkinson is a secret Santa, because Santa typically delivers gifts to people, not takes forever to wrap them as a trap. Sometimes the gifts are not things, though. But with Santa Sometimes Claus, the need. gifts are always things. No, not with secret Santas. <laughs> it's always a metaphor. <laughs> Uh, remember that when we have our office secret Santa. <laughs> Thank you for the $25, but what I got you is more of a metaphor. Maybe friendship was the real present <laughs> all the time. So you didn't give me anything. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, yeah, so I have a hard time believing that we are going to solve this yeah. tangled riddle Unlike on our own. Unlike last year, when we both agreed that Grinch was obviously a better movie Did than we Bad know? Santa. I don't remember. That's how I remember. I mean, go back and listen to it, but mm. uh, I think, yeah, I, I mean, if you feel that strongly. I just, I liked the movie a lot, mm -hmm. again. Not Christmas so, is listen, not a bad reason to watch this. It's movie. not a it's not a you versus me contest here. This is not this is not my pick versus your pick. <laughs> Yeah, distancing yourself from your pick, the classic sign of defeat. Oh, no, I absolutely believe that Die Hard is a better Christmas movie. Um, it's, it's maybe the better movie. Maybe. Maybe that a is more... As, that is the closest to a concession I think I will ever get from you on this podcast, and I will accept it. Not more Christmassy. And my Christmas barometer is pretty strong, so... Hmm. Oh, I'm sure you think so. <laughs> it hmm. is. All right. So final deliberations... I think that we pretty much covered it here. I think that uh, if you have any closing arguments, maybe um, to support your side, because right now we've got our, our 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 criteria stands at Christmas aesthetic, love actually wins. I think mm -hmm. that one is very clear. Handily. Christmas magic, Die Hard wins. I think pretty clear also. There is much more magic going on in Christmas miracles. Christmas miracles. I'll give you there's more Christmas miracles. Definitely. There's one giant Christmas miracle, and that is... The fact that he even survives in the first place. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that is, that's, that's yeah. a winner. And Christmas spirit, I, it sounds, it sounds like you've given just enough, just enough ground. Absolutely not. No, I don't think so at all. I think Christmas spirit also handily won by Love Actually. It's oh, not only really? Okay. By sheer volume. Sure. We have John <laughs> McClane's story, like his emotional arc, ten times. In love, actually. Uh, I don't know. If you repeat... Uh, if you copy-paste... I got you with the volume argument. If you, if you copy-paste an argument over and over again... I mean, if I said... If they played Jingle Bell... Oh, like, if, like, do you think that Love Actually also deserves more Christmas aesthetic because they played the same shitty Christmas song 15 times? <laughs> Little. If you copy-paste it wall-to-wall? Mm, <laughs> just over and over again. All right, well, how about this? Since we're obviously at odds here, and I do not think, we've, I think we've talked for plenty long enough yep. at this point. If we haven't come to a conclusion, we're never going to. So this is what I propose to you. Mm -hmm. We throw it to the listeners. Oh, yeah. In a Facebook poll. Yes. And uh, Christmas Eve day will be the closing day for this poll. Yep. 
Get out there, people. I know you're going to be on Facebook this holiday. What else do you have to do? You've got plenty of time to watch them both and reach a decision on your own. Yeah, and You've do heard... watch them both. I think we both recommend It's a great double movies. feature, and in fact, I would argue that they should both be merged together into one yeah. single six-hour movie. Are we going to put that as an option? Because I think that's going to win handily. But... Oh, that, would, that wouldn't even be fair. Like, we could have wrapped this case closed 45 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that, maybe that is the... The greatest gift of we all. Find this, on Christmas. this was the Christmas miracle we needed, not the yep. one that we wanted. <laughs> the Christmas miracle we needed was realizing that Die Hard and Love actually deserve to be merged together into a single film. Yep. Even if it's four and a half hours, I think I would still watch it. Yeah. Even right. I would still watch it. So I know it sounds like a BS uh, conclusion, but um, yeah, go to Facebook, vote. The poll is going live as we speak. We need to hear from you. John McClain needs you. Ugh. Carl Winslow needs you. <laughs> uh, Emma Thompson needs you. Hugh Grant needs you. Uh, Alan Rickman needs Alan you for Rickman. sure. Oh yeah, either way. Vote for Alan Rickman. Uh, Liam Neeson needs you. <laughs> oh boy. All right, well, I think that's just gonna about do it for us for uh, Can't Have You Seen second annual Christmas head to head. Uh, uh, what do we even... What, showdown? Showdown. Mm -hmm. Face off. Yes. It's one of my favorite Christmas traditions. Indeed. It is that. And you do it two years in a row. It's a tradition now. Yep. Well, happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for spending another Christmas special with us. It's always more fun when you... When you guys are involved. So. Absolutely. Hope we took a little uh, uh, chunk out of your, your uh, holiday commute, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, we got big things planned for 2019. We cannot wait to share with you. Uh, but you'll just have to be patient. We're trying to get things rolling as soon as we can. But for right now, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyous Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And we will see you in 2019. See ya. Bye. Christmas is all around me And so the feeling grows It's written in